What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here in today's episode, uh, we are going to discuss the results of week one in the NFL, as well as take a look forward to week two, some of the key matchups in the NFL in week two. We're going to review our first lockboard draft, talk about how that went, and also go around the NCAA and talk about uh, interesting quarterback decision to be made and some of the big winners and losers from the past week of college football. So a lot going to be planned for this episode. Hopefully you guys enjoy. And now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. And what is going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most. And, you know, thankfully for me, I'm the only one on the podcast that can say my favorite team got a win this week. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, pretty close and hurtful loss for App State the other night. But um, I'm excited to talk about these teams and, it was a very interesting week one, so there's definitely a lot of stuff to get to. What's up, guys? It's Nate here. Um, unlike Connor, my team was on uh, the other end of the spectrum today. They um, dropped the first game to the Dolphins, but um, on brighter news, my fantasy team did pretty good, and just happy to have uh, had football on TV for the last um, eight hours. So all in a pretty good day, ready to you know <laughs> talk about it here. It's only week one. It'll be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, neither of you guys have teams that are on 16-game losing streaks, so. Sacks <laughs> like I've got you all beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as always, guys, we're going to start around the shield. And for this week one, you know, we don't want to do so much overreacting in week one. That's more of a week two sort of thing. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> We we do kind of want to touch up on some teams today and discuss uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. So the classic three of those, you know, you, you always see them on uh, college shirts where it's like the good, the team that you cheer for, the bad, like a team that you don't like. And then the ugly is just like a team that you can't stand. It's um, like the shirts with like the Carolina Tar Heels fans have that's like, you know, good UNC, bad NC State, ugly. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how it would go. So we have good, bad, and ugly based on how teams did this week. And we each chose two teams for these different categories. So let's go ahead, guys, and start with the good. And Connor, tell us about the good team that you picked uh, yeah. for this, this week. Yeah, so, you know, may come as a shocker to everyone, but um, the good team I picked for this week was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Managed to go into Buffalo and get a nice 23-16 to 16 win. Um, it was definitely an interesting game on both sides. It was, uh, for the most part, a big defensive struggle. Um, you know, the Bills led like 10-3 to 3 at halftime, so um, very, very close for most of the time. Not a lot. The offenses weren't really doing much in that game. Um, Josh Allen certainly looked off. I know the Steelers were getting in his face a lot, which is definitely part of the good. You know, the Steelers' pass rush still is as strong as ever. Um I can't remember how many sacks exactly. I think it was like three or four, but they were definitely getting in his face. I know Deion Dawkins, the left tackle for the Bills, got called for like three holding penalties in the game. It's like, man, this dude needs to stop holding. Or, but I guess if he stopped holding, Allen would get sacked. So, um, you know, the defense definitely balled out. The offense definitely could use some work still. Um, Roethlisberger didn't look entirely sharp, but it is week one, and the Bills do have a really good secondary. So, 
Um, it's definitely an impressive win, though, for the Steelers. The Bills are looking to be Super Bowl contenders this year. And, I mean, even myself, I picked them to win the Super Bowl. So definitely to go into Buffalo, a very hard place to play. You know, those fans up there are diehard, and they're loud and rowdy and breaking tables and all sorts of stuff like that. So um, to go into Buffalo week one, you know, and week one really sets the tone for your whole season. So a team with possibly mediocre expectations going in and taking out a Super Bowl a Super Bowl contender in week one is definitely good for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm hoping this is a sign of more good things to come, hopefully. Yeah, that was a, a surprising win for the Steelers. Most people were picking the Bills to win, so definitely good on them for to get that upset win on the road like you were talking about. It would have been one thing to get it at home, but... The fact that they got it on the road, good start for them, good confidence uh, to be a successful team like the Bills. Now, the next team I want to talk about on the good side of things is also in Pennsylvania, and that's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. I picked the Falcons to win this game ahead of time, so I was expecting a Falcons win. I was almost even considering them for a survival pick. That's how confident I was in the Falcons. (laughs) Glad I didn't do that. Yeah, good thing you didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, so obviously we could have made the case for the Falcons to be on the bad or the ugly based on how lopsided this game was. I think it was like 33-6 to six or something. And it definitely was a one-sided game. But I wanted to highlight the Eagles as more of a good out of this game because I do think that this is more of a sustainable approach for the Eagles with the way that Hertz played, it wasn't like he ran for 150 yards um, and only passed for 150 yards. Like he was beating the Falcons as a passer primarily, and he looked pretty good doing it. Their weapons, their young weapons that they've drafted in the first round, and Rieger and Devonte Smith, those two first round wideouts, they both played well. Goddard played well. Um, he seemed to be have okay protection. So the Eagles' offense as a whole far better than I would have expected or given them credit for. Same thing with the defense as well, to hold Atlanta to six points. I know they don't have Julio anymore, but still Atlanta is one of those teams that always scores a lot of points with Matt Ryan. They still have Calvin Ridley. They drafted Kyle Pitts. I would have expected Atlanta to do a lot more on this Philly defense, which going into the season, I would have ranked Philly's defense as one of the bottom five or 10 defenses probably in the NFL. And, Good on them for holding Atlanta to just six points. Big confidence for them. And then I want to say, no, it's Giants. I don't know who they play in. Oh, no, they play. Um, Who is it that they play in week two? Uh, Let me check on. over I'll here. Yeah. 40, oh, 49ers. So oh. Uh, that'll be a tougher one than, the, than the, uh, the Falcons one. But if they can somehow pull off the upset and win that, they're 2-0. In a bad NFC East, and the Eagles suddenly look like they could be the team to beat in that division, honestly. So um good on the Eagles, and we'll see what they do going forward. Now let's go ahead and talk about some bad teams. So Connor, I know what happened with this one, but um <laughs> let's hear your thoughts to to why this team was a bad team. Yeah, this is definitely going to be, I know obviously Zach's here right now, so he can't exactly uh, do this, but this is going to be the portion of the podcast where when Eric goes back and listens to this uh, after the fact, hopefully he's probably going to want to turn it off for this point. But um, 
yeah, definitely. I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Um, you know, the Houston Texans are just a dumpster fire right now. And to basically just, I know it's on the road. I know it's week one, but to get blown out pretty much, I mean, it was 37 to 21 and it was, you know, I think honestly that score is a little bit closer than it really should have been because the Texans were completely dominating this game. Um, you know, Tyrod Taylor almost had a 300 yard throwing game. Like, I don't know when the last time Tyrod Taylor had a th- almost 300 yards throwing, like he's definitely more of a game manager than a playmaker. Um, you know, they let the Texans rush for over 150 yards on them. And then, you know, probably the worst news for the Jaguars, in my opinion, was just the play of Trevor Lawrence. Like I know, obviously again, it's week one, it's his first pro game, but you know, to have, kind of right around like a 50% completion percentage and three interceptions against this bad Texans defense is not a good look at all. Um, you know, like I said, we're not going to do too much overreacting here until uh, week two rolls around, but definitely not a good start for Trevor Lawrence. Um, the Jaguars really couldn't get anything going on the ground. I'm not sure. I don't know if you could answer this, Zach, but if there's something wrong with James Robinson, cause he only had like five or six carries in the game. I mean, I know they got behind early, but like, you know, Carlos Hyde had more touches than he did. So um, that seems a little bit weird to me, seeing as how Robinson's supposed <laughs> to be the number one back. Um, yeah, it, it, he should have had more. I think there was there was a combination of two things. One, being down multiple, score, multiple scores early hurt them. And then secondly, it seemed like every time he did take the ball, there was a holding penalty. It must have happened probably at least three times, honestly. So it's just hard to get in a rhythm when you're first and 20, like four or five times in the first half. It's it's hard to to set up the run when you're, you know, backed up with those penalties. So right. that was it. And then I think just they got down so many scores that they had to start throwing it and abandon the run game, which uh, happened yeah. last year as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely not good for the Jaguars. Like I said, I know. Biggest thing for them going into week two is Trevor Lawrence just really needs to improve his accuracy. I mean, most of these receivers, it's not terrible when it comes to like, you know, targets to receptions. But like, you know, Marvin Jones had five catches on nine targets. But really, the worst one was DJ Chark had three catches on 12 targets. Like that's, you know, I know some of that's also on the receiver. I saw Chark had a couple drops, um, which wasn't good for them. But definitely, you know, a fair amount of those are on Trevor Lawrence, too. So um and it's definitely i mean they definitely have a similar situation in week one or week two where it's a definitely a winnable game for them they're going to be at home against the broncos um coming off a win against the giants and the broncos look pretty good so you know going into the season i would have said you know that this would be a very winnable game but i don't know anymore for the jaguars um i said it is their home opener but they're really going to have to get it in gear and find some way to fix that defense because you know i shudder to think if tyrod taylor is doing really well against you you know teddy bridgewater is going to do better so um guess we'll see hopefully for zach and eric's sake the jaguars can get it together next week all right and then nate tell us about another bad team in your opinion from this week yeah so the browns to me really were um a bit of a disappointment here. They were leading the Chiefs by um, a very solid, comfortable amount for most of really the first half and then most of the second half. And then uh, the Chiefs fought their way back and I believe won by like five points at the end. And to me, it was just 
Um, obviously, they didn't play bad. They didn't get blown out, um, any of that. But it was just bad that they couldn't finish, I feel like, especially against a team like the Chiefs. Obviously, it's week one. It's very early in the season for the Browns. But um, that would have been a huge game to – a huge win to have to set up their year. And um, I think it was just all around uh, – the second half was pretty disappointing, I felt like. Um, not obviously not a Browns fan, so I don't like care. I wasn't like, oh, you know, depressed after it. But um, I think if you look at the time of possession, uh, the Chiefs, I think they won that battle. And even though the Browns were winning, um, they couldn't keep the ball away from them in the second half, which when you're playing Patrick Mahomes in that offense, you kind of have to do. So I just think it was poor uh, management by uh, the Browns staff and Baker, who was my um, preseason MVP pick, did not um, – he put up – you know, a bunch of yards, um, moved the ball pretty well early, but that, that interception um, at the end of the game when they were trying to come back was not, uh, that was like the final thing that did them in there. So I think all around just, you know, the Browns are going to be fine this year, but uh, disappointing to see that, you know, they had trouble finishing up that win early on there. Well, I guess I'll add one more thing to uh, like add on to what you were talking about with the time of possession. It's very not good for a team like the Browns, in my opinion. I mean, if you just look at this matchup, like you would expect the Browns to really, you know, do a, lo- a lot better in time of possession, given that they're a run first team. You know, they kind of move the ball down the field. It usually takes them a while because of the run game, whereas the Chiefs are like a big strike offense. So if you're losing time of possession to the Chiefs when you're a run-first team, you're going to lose every time, in my opinion. All right, now to everybody's favorite, guys, the ugly, <laughs> the barfing, vomiting, emoji, ugly team. So we we have to pick two teams here, and Nate and I were the ones who made the picks on that. And I'll go ahead first and say my ugly pick. And... <laughs> No offense to any of the fans watching, but I'm going to pick the Green Bay Packers as an ugly performance, losing 38-3 to against the Saints. Um, this isn't a Drew Brees from a couple years ago, Saints, either. This is Jameis Winston, who definitely looks like he's gotten a lot better, but still, 38-3, to just a really bad start to the season, not to mention this game wasn't even a home game, really, for the Saints. Uh, being in Jacksonville, it wasn't like they had to go to the Saints uh, dome, and that's such a tough, p- tough place to play. So they lucked out on that aspect. But just Aaron Rodgers did terrible in this game. I know I had him in fantasy. I was disappointed on that. He definitely cost me one of my one of my matchups. Uh, but the whole offense in general, not just Rodgers, the running attack didn't really do much they didn't have much carries but um the offense in general just didn't have enough plays in my opinion to really establish anything and this kind of gets back to what we said uh in last week's episode about the preseason approaches by different teams the Packers were not a team that played their played Aaron Rodgers in the preseason maybe they should have. Maybe it wouldn't have been as rusty looking for them. And most the fact that they were projected by most to win and they lost this badly, um, one of the more lopsided results of the weekend, just bad showing by the, the uh, Packers in general. Their only saving grace right now is the division 
uh, didn't have the best week. So they're definitely not out of it or anything like that. This is not overreacting that extremely, but in the big picture, not good for the Packers and definitely will be going down in the power rankings for a lot of people, in my opinion, after this week. Nate, tell us about another ugly team this weekend. And this one will actually make me happy. <laughs> yeah, if you're a fan well, okay. of... We've, we've... <laughs> I said we already have uh, Eric and Zach were upset at one, and Caleb's already upset, but here we go to make Zach happy again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're uh, really a fan of any AFC South team, probably make you happy because they were uh, projected to win by a lot of people, the division. But uh, talking about the Titans here, they're showing versus the... Um, versus the Cardinals was more than bad. It was just awful, hard to watch. Um, part of that is the Cardinals are a very talented team. They've, I think their roster is a lot better than it was last year, but um, the Titans could not do anything on offense or defense, um, especially uh, keeping Ryan Tannehill upright. They let um, Chandler Jones get five sacks, which I think a lot of them came off of um, Taylor Lewan, who was coming back from an injury, but he's, supposed to be their you know all pro uh elite left tackle so that's not uh a great way to start your season there and i think derrick henry was held under um 50 yards for most of the game and then i think like fourth quarter he got um his numbers up a little bit but um yeah it was just very um the the parts bits and pieces i saw that game on tv were um very lopsided in favor of the cardinals they couldn't um stop either A.J. Green or um, DeAndre Hopkins on defense. And like I said, their their offense couldn't do anything either. So, um, you know, they'll probably get it going. I'm sure Henry will get going on the ground. But I think things are looking a lot more um, favorable for the other AFC South teams right now. Looks like a more um, wide-open division, I would say. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I still think the titans are definitely the team to beat in the division but uh always makes me makes me smile to see them get beat down like the way they did and we'll see if it happens again next week so speaking of next week guys let's go ahead and do kind of what we were doing last week we each picked uh a game of the week to star and kind of highlight look forward to and then we'd all make our picks on it so i have three games selected here uh, let's go ahead and have Connor talk about this first one between the Bills and the Dolphins. Why does this game matter a lot to both of these teams? And ultimately, who's going to be your pick in this game? Yeah, this is definitely a big game. You know, obviously, it's an AFC East matchup. The Bills are hoping to get off to a good start in the AFC East. Um, definitely not a good start for the AFC East here in the first week. The Patriots lost, the Jets lost, and the Bills lost. Um, you know, obviously the Dolphins got the win because they were playing the Patriots. So not everyone could go 0-1, but it's obviously big for the Bills. You know, they're coming off a game that they probably shouldn't have lost. You know, they were at home against the Steelers, like we said earlier. Um, they probably should have won that game, and now they're going to have to go on the road into Miami. And, you know, you really need – if the Bills start 0-2, then it's going to be a huge derailment to their season. You know, it's everything starts from the beginning, and we try not to overreact, but – it's one of those things that you don't hardly ever see a team that starts 0-2. Like, may, they'll probably turn it around and make the playoffs, but you hardly ever see teams like that turn it around and make it to, like, the conference title game or the Super Bowl. So <clears throat> the Bills really need to come out. Josh Allen really needs to get it together. 
the need to show why everyone thought that they were a Super Bowl contender at the start of the year. Um, you know, the Dolphins need to improve too. Um, it's, you know, Tua didn't exactly look very great in that game against the Patriots. And, you know, it's not like it's going to get any easier from here. Both teams in week one, you know, the Bills played the Steelers and the Dolphins played the Patriots, two teams with elite defenses. You know, they're go- they both have good defenses themselves. So the road is not getting any, any easier here. I'm not expecting a shootout. Um, but I do think, you know, I think that week one, I don't think that the Dolphins are going to be able to get to Josh Allen as much as the Steelers did. And I think Josh Allen, I think he finally, he got those week one jitters. And at the moment, I just trust him a lot more than I trust Tua, even after that week one performance, just because Allen has, he's done it in the past. He, you know, he's never been pulled for Ryan Fitzpatrick like Tua has. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and say that the Bills, they're going to get back on track and they're going to get this divisional one at Miami. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, so this is, I think this one will be very close. I think it'll be one score. Miami has a really good defense. Uh, it's that that's going to be fun to watch as Buffalo's offense against Miami's defense. Uh, but I am going to take Buffalo on the road in a real close one. Nate, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to take the bills here as well. I think um, it's too early in the season for me to really, um, you know, not go with the bills still. All right. We all agree on that one. And let me talk about this next. Uh, game of the week star that we have, and this is going to be for the Saints and the Panthers. So, uh, two NFC South one and O teams are going to be playing each other for the rights to be two and O. You also have, here we come. You also have the Falcons and Bucks, the other two NFC South teams playing each other as well. So, NFC South playing each other this uh, week too, and I think this is such a huge game for the winner. To, to be set up at 2-0, and um, obviously we, need, we don't expect them to be contending with the Buccaneers for the division title, but wild cards are obviously still very much up in the air in the NFC, and the winner of this, I think, has a real inside track at getting one of those three wild card spots. Uh, we'll see if Jameis Winston can have his way uh, against the Panthers like he did against the Buccaneers. Obviously familiar uh, playing in this division a lot is where he was with Tampa. So you have that. Then you have um, Sam Darnold for the Panthers, too. That's going to be interesting to see. I don't know if he's ever won two games in a row in his career. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. We'll see if CMC does better this week. Um, The Panthers, they got out to a big lead. They almost let it slip away to the Jets. Um, but a win's a win, and whoever wins this game is going to be looking real nice to sitting at 2-0. and So that's my game of the week, and I am going to take the Saints on the road to win this. I just think they're the better team than the Panthers are. I know the Panthers are at home. I think it'll be close, but ultimately I am impressed with how Jameis played, and I think that will carry over and the Saints get the win. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you and take the Saints on the road. I just, you know, I just really don't trust the Panthers offense, um, especially if the Saints can get CMC slowed down. Like, you know, Sam Darnold, the fact that they only were able to put up 19 points against the Jets of all teams, like that worries me for their offense. So, um, you know, I don't think the Saints are going to 
blow them out or anything. Like, I don't think it's going to be another 38-3. to I don't envision Jameis Winston throwing five touchdowns again, but I do think Alvin Kamara is going to have his way against this defense, and I'd say the Saints probably take it by about 10 points on the road. All right, Nate, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Saints as well. I don't think it's going to be um, a blowout, blowout either, but I think the Panthers letting the Jets uh, hang around like they did today um, doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence there. Oh, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, see, I thought that was a mic drop from Nate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should have been. I should have uh, done that as that. Oh, man. All right, so then... Uh, Nate, go ahead and talk about this new NFL Week 2 Classic between the Chiefs and the Ravens as our next game of the week. <laughs> yeah, it's, we were talking about this before. It seems like uh, this matchup is always like Week 2 every year. It's, it's definitely been a couple times we've done this. It's kind of weird how it works out, but um, it's definitely a big game. Two of the projected um, top teams coming in. The Chiefs won today. The Ravens play uh, tomorrow night, so we'll see how they look, but um, it should be a pretty interesting one. Um, like the projected top two teams in the AFC uh, coming in, and I don't know, it's, it's always interesting the two teams play. I think both quarterbacks always step it up and uh, trying to win a huge game like this. Um, I don't know, personally, my projection is I think um, the Chiefs just still are better all around. Uh, the Ravens, I think there's a ton of question marks. Um, really same thing as last year about uh, Ken Lamar. You know, how is he going to throw the ball? Are they going to be more, um, less one-dimensional this year? And they lost a few pieces on defense, so that's a little more questionable. We'll see how they look tomorrow night versus the Raiders. It should be uh, a pretty decent matchup to kind of give us a little bit of insight there. But um, I, I do think the Chiefs are better on paper. They showed off their... Uh, firepower and coming back versus the Browns, and I don't, I don't see the Ravens' defense being able to handle them. But uh, like I said, after tomorrow night, we'll get some more uh, insight there. So curious to hear what you guys think about it. Yeah, so it feels weird for our game of the weeks to pick three road teams, but I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pick the Chiefs on the road. They just always have the Ravens' number. It seems like in these games, like. The Ravens have such a good defense, but the Chiefs just figure them out. And it really doesn't matter what the Ravens do. Uh, I know it's a new year and everything, but that's just what I'm going off of. And, I mean, the Chiefs, they're they're always going to be a tough tough team to beat. Most every week, people are going to pick the Chiefs to win. They'll lose a couple upsets. But this one's no different. I'm picking the Chiefs. What about you, Connor? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and make it three for three on the chiefs and three for three on all the road teams. Um, I just, for me, there's just too many question marks with the Ravens, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, obviously we haven't seen them play yet. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they do against the Raiders. But the fact that, you know, I called their, I didn't say this on the podcast, but I've been saying it to like in on Facebook messenger and also to my dad, like the Ravens running back room is like the Raven is like the running back retirement home at the moment. <laughs> Because, like, you know, you got Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell, like all these older, washed-up running backs that, you know, had to come in because J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill all got hurt. So um, it's just big questions for me offensively. I know the Chiefs don't have a great defense, but, you know, it seems like they have an answer for Lamar Jackson. 
And I do think that Patrick Mahomes is going to make it four for four in matchups against Lamar Jackson. All right, guys, and that will conclude around the shield for this week. And now let's go and talk about the lock board. So obviously this is definitely different than how we did it last year with us not drafting the locks on the episode. But uh, we did do a lock board last week. We posted it a Saturday morning on Twitter. So uh, let me just tell you guys how the week went. And obviously the total standings are just going to be the standings from this week since it's the first week. But pretty solid uh, week of the lock board in general for us. So a lot of points to go around. Um, myself, I got five points this week. I got a five-pointer correct. So that's always nice to have. Eric went three for three on his lock board, getting 10 points. So Eric's out to first place right now. Connor's in second place with seven points. He got seven points total on his lock board this week. And then Nate got three points from his lock board. So he's in last place still, but um, we all at least got some points that that's good. Uh, no zeros this week, which is pretty rare, honestly, that nobody gets a zero on the lock board. So good job on everybody for not getting a zero, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to need you guys to get some zeros next week uh, so I can move up the standings. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and take a look at the locks. So Nate, you had, the de facto first pick basically in this uh, lock board. So you got your first selections basically how you wanted. Um, Tell us what went right, what went wrong, and your rationale behind these picks. Yeah, so this week I kind of just tried to play it a little bit safer. Um, I didn't, with it being week one of us doing this, I didn't really trust uh, taking a lot of like the college upsets. We haven't seen a lot of those teams uh, really playing in competition and Obviously, the NFL, we haven't seen any games yet. So I was kind of just trying to go for like the two, uh, maybe three-point games. And I got the the Saints game right. Um, I didn't do it in our regular, uh, like, weekly picks. I picked the Packers, so I think. But um, I got that one right. And then the other two, um, I was kind of surprised. They seemed, you know, Indy over Seattle seemed uh, decently safe. Um, at the time I picked it, I didn't think the Seahawks would come out and put up those kind of numbers on offense and uh new york versus denver i was kind of you know i could kind of see that going either way but i thought you know it's a two-point game so um you know probably a close one anyway so try to play it safe this next week i'll probably you know try and shoot for some of those five pointers but i uh, will see what happens all right and then connor you had the second pick in the draft so talk about which uh, picks you made and which went right and which went wrong. Yeah, so definitely um, the first one that I wanted the most was in college. Because I know week one is always the time for upsets. So, you know, it's one of those times. I, I mean, we could, if you went back and looked at our lock board from last year, like we definitely got a lot more upset picks correct early in the year. And they started to kind of trail off towards the end of the year. So um i definitely wanted to get a big college one early so i went with byu over utah um you know byu they're always a really strong competitor you know they're not in any they're an independent at the moment but you know they almost went undefeated last year losing to coastal carolina was their only loss um who also went undefeated in the regular season so um and i thought you know 
it's finally time for BYU to break that losing streak against Utah because Utah had had their number for a really long time. Um, and I've always kind of felt that Utah also gets overrated when it comes to college football. So I thought that was a pretty good pick seeing that BYU was also going to be at home for that game. So definitely happy about that one. And then Miami over New England. I mean, you know, we talked about this last week on the podcast. That one really could go either way. Um, so, you know, one of those two pointers. So I wanted to go ahead and get Miami in there. Um, since I felt pretty good about them winning. And that thankfully worked out for me in the end because, you know, if it wasn't for, I don't know who it was, but someone fumbled toward the end of the game when New England was driving and then Miami was able to close it out. So thankfully for that. And then Missouri over Kentucky, that one was just a little bit of a dud. Um, You know, Missouri was never really in that game, unfortunately. Um, I wasn't really following it too closely, but every time I looked, it's like Kentucky would would have like got more points and they'd be up by like 14 and in the end it ended up only being a one touchdown game, but Kentucky definitely controlled that game from the start. So that was a little bit unfortunate, but you know, you can't win them all. Unfortunately. Speak to Eric about that one, I guess, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I had the honor of picking last in this week's lock board and it really did hurt me, especially in round three, but I'll get to round one first. I picked, the Tennessee Volunteers to beat the Pittsburgh Panthers in college. And that was a two-pointer, real close game. I thought Tennessee had a real good shot of winning it. They were at home. Uh, They had a a good start to the game, a lot of early momentum. But then just Pitt got on on an offensive rhythm there uh, in the second quarter, and they never really looked back, and they just – kept piling up the score. Tennessee's offense started to fade out. At one point, they had the ball at like the two-yard line, and it ended up being third and 37 based on penalties and stuff. <laughs> they did Sorry, actually... Even real, that's something yeah. you don't see every day. <laughs> they did actually make the field goal, so they at least got points from it, but they had a chance to get an easy touchdown there. And um, the quarterback got hurt as well, uh, so that their backup didn't didn't play as well as our starter was doing. Not that he was doing great either, but still disappointing on a lot of levels for me as a Vols fan to have them lose and then also lose on the lock board on my round one pick. Round two, however, went a lot better. I picked Arkansas over Texas Texas as a five-pointer. This was one to me. I, I just thought Texas, after week one, looked pretty bad. I thought Arkansas is much improved from where they were a couple years ago. So the fact that Arkansas was going to be at home, I thought they had a real good shot at the upset and it was a five pointer. So I had that pretty early up kind of like Connor. I wanted to get a five pointer in my lock board week one, just because historically that's the best time to get them. And then round three, like I said, is where it really went wrong for me. I had to, reach down my list of locks and go to the Jets over Carolina. This was not one of my top options. A lot of the other ones that hit were stolen from me. Um, Actually, some weren't. Like, I did have the Giants over Denver high up. and um, But I did have Iowa over Iowa State, which Eric got in front of me. Um, But I picked the Jets over Carolina. I actually picked Carolina to win the game. That's the confidence level I had in this lock <laughs> happening. Uh, I didn't, you know, you guys picked Carolina as your survival. I didn't feel that strongly about Carolina winning, but I figured 
I, I don't know what I figured. I thought just maybe Sam Darnold would be absolutely terrible, but ghosts. <laughs> um, but uh, Zach Wilson was worse, so that it's it is what it is. It was a th- it, another reason why I went with it was it was a three pointer instead of a two pointer, so I had that extra point potential there. So that was my reasoning for picking it, but. Should have never picked the Jets. That's that's just a bad strategy in general, <laughs> unless they're playing the Rams. The, but yeah, that's that's how Lockboard Week One went for me. And then we'll get to the genius Eric, who's not here to talk about his locks. I'll just go through them for you, so you hear about these. Oregon over Oregon State was his round one pick. Ohio State. Oh, Ohio State. What did I say? Oregon State? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, oh, so many OSU teams, guys. But yeah, Oregon over yeah, really. Ohio State. Um, that was a five-pointer. He got that one right. Looked like a genius for that one. I thought Oregon would have no shot, but uh, they ended up winning pretty easily. Another one he had pretty easy. Not a scary week for Eric as well. Uh, he knew the results of his games pretty early. Iowa beat Iowa State. That was that gave him three points. That was one I think a lot of us were trying to get. Eric was the one who successfully got it in round two, and that gave him three points. And then the Chargers over the Washington football team gave him two points. This was one that it was definitely one of those like safer two-point picks, um, kind of could go either way sort of a game, a 50-50 situation. So he got two points with that. Um I, I the only reason I didn't want to pick this was because I thought Washington was going to win the game, but obviously the Chargers ended up doing that. And Eric, all green on his locks and ten points, so not bad. Wasn't like he just picked three ones out there. Um, and far away it. from the days <laughs> of you know goofy dragon memes and all yeah, that. yeah, none, none of that for week one at least. Uh, <laughs> so good job on Eric for that, and he will be rewarded next week with the last pick. So he had the. <laughs> You call that a reward <laughs> <laughs> he had the third pick this time now he's got the last pick so that's our system for the drafts guys as whoever does the best instantly gets the worst draft pick um based on a week-by-week basis nate uh did the worst this time so he's got the first pick again and i've got the second pick connor's got the third pick so uh the whole idea about this is to get parity going on so it's not you know one team just getting all the best picks and everything. That's how uh, we try and want the stand-ins to be close and competitive to the end of the year. So that's the Lockboard recap for week one. And now we have another new sort of thing to talk about here. Connor, I'll let you introduce this. We're going to do a fantasy update for a podcaster's league we're in. So Connor, tell us about what it's looking like right now and the, the guys that we're playing up against this week. Yeah, so definitely we are in a <clears throat> uh, fantasy football league with nine other podcasts. Um, I'm not entirely sure if all of them are sports podcasts. I thought they were, but um, I'm not entirely sure. So, um, But this week we are playing against, uh, the username is ASAP Pizza, but it's the First Issue Club podcast. Um, I'll definitely leave a link in the description so you can go and check them out. Um, it's a close matchup right now for sure. Um you know, we definitely are quite a bit behind. I know the score um, when I posted this on the slides was, I think it was, what, 86 or um, it was 84 to 148. At the moment, it's 89 to 148. Um, you know, we still have Allen Robinson, Tyler Higby, and Lamar Jackson to go. 
currently at the moment we are projected to lose by about nine points. Um, you know, Tyler Higby's gotten a couple of catches, but Allen Robinson's really been quiet. The Rams defense is dominating this game. So looking like we're probably going to need a big game out of Lamar Jackson on Monday night football. Um, Cause we definitely don't want to be taking the first L of the year for uh, our podcast. That's not a good look for us. And we'll have to do a shout out, uh, an official shout out on Twitter if we do. So, um, you know, if we end up winning, then that's good. If not, congrats to the first issue club. Um, you know, big. We kind of had a disappointment this week with Austin Eckler for sure, only getting twelve out of a twenty-five projected. Same with Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, I wish honestly I had. I made a last-second call to take Jamar Chase out of the lineup and put Debo Samuel in, but honestly, I wish I would have. Uh, taken out like Allen Robinson and put uh, Debo Samuel in because Jamar Chase had a pretty good game on the bench. So um, we'll see how it shakes out, but we're going to be doing this every week. Just a quick little nod to this game. And, you know, hopefully in the future we'll have a better idea of like knowing who's going to win or lose. Unfortunately this week, that's not really the case since we still have three people left, even though we're behind by quite a bit. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> All right, that's the fantasy, the podcaster league fantasy update uh, as we see it right now, recording at nine o'clock on Sunday night. And let's wrap this show up, guys, by going around the NCAA talking about college football. You know, last week we talked about the whole expansion uh, moves and news that was happening around college football. This week, we want to talk about some actual results from last week and Take a look at the top 25, the biggest risers, the biggest fallers, that sort of thing. And with the college football story of the week, really this is going to be Nate-centered. As a Florida fan, I want to get his perspective on this. And uh, Florida has a big game against Alabama next week. That's going to be one of the top games to watch around college football is uh, Alabama at Florida. I I know Nate will be in attendance for that. So uh, Nate try and maybe wear something other than orange and blue or in, and uh, in the student section. And we might be able to pick you out <laughs> on TV. Um, yeah. He's asking him to go out there and wear red. No, 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 no. Go with like a neutral yellow or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Stand out. They're going to be like, Oh, it's the one LSU fan in the crowd. <laughs> right. So unfortunately for me, um the Gators really dominated USF this is a game Nate and I were both watching Connor probably saw a little bit of it but um but yeah it was really interesting to see that the Gators have this two quarterback system where they don't quite know their QB QB yet and it looks pretty clear to me who it should be and who it shouldn't be but Nate tell us about what the Gators think right now and then tell us your opinion on the situation. Yeah, so it's definitely it's definitely very interesting. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's hard to tell because from just watching the first two games, like you said, it's very clear who should be getting um, the majority of the snaps and starting. Um, and uh, for those who aren't familiar, it's uh, Emory Jones, um has started both the games he's been on the team i think for like three years or something like that he was um very highly recruited and he's it was basically the backup and kind of got some like you know played sparingly it was like usually like special situations usually like ran the ball and whatever 
Um, and he's gotten the start this year, but the, there's also um, this Anthony, Anthony Richardson, sorry, who's, um, if you're watching, he's in the uh, screenshot there, um, who registered last year, and he's basically coming in, like, the way they've been doing is, like, they'll give Emery um, Jones, like, two drives, and they'll give uh, Richardson a drive, and they'll go back to two for Emery, and it's kind of a weird, like, complicated thing, but um, I think Anthony Richardson has played something like, it's probably got to be like, I can't imagine it being more than like 30 snaps, and he's got like seven total touchdowns between, um, you know, the FAU game and the USF game, and granted those aren't, you know, the most exceptional defenses, but when you combine that with what uh, Emory Jones has done, it's it's a much better stat line. I think Emory threw two uh, picks yesterday that were just not good decisions at all. It wasn't even like USF defender made like an incredible play. It was like he basically just airmailed it um, where there were a bunch of guys uh, there to make the play. So I don't know. As a fan, I definitely think there's no excuse to, you know, keep giving Emory significant playing time. I think if UF is going to beat Alabama next week, their best chance is, is um, Anthony Richardson just because I think he's like 6'3", 230, 240, and he's is incredibly fast. And just the running ability and um, his arm is really, you know, I mean, some of the throws he's made in, in a limited amount of time I've seen him are just insane. So the talent is definitely there. I know he's a young guy, so maybe, you know, they don't want to put him under that pressure right away. But um, unless there's something that they can see, you know, in practice, which in college usually isn't open to uh, the press or anybody. So that might be where um, they're really having a tough time trying to decide um, unless something is happening there. It's like, I don't see why um, there's really a controversy anymore because I think with uh, Richardson taking over the job and playing the full game, I think uh, the scares offense could potentially be pretty, um, you know, effective in the SEC this year, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do Saturday. I have no idea. <laughs> idea what okay. I was say. wondering if you'd heard anything, if you knew, cause I know Richardson, he, he had some, he was, he he had some sort of injury happen to him in the USF game. He's, you see him kind of holding on <laughs> right there in the picture. Yeah, um, it was. It was you know, like a, it, it's not serious, right? Like no, I think they said it was a hamstring injury. He had like an eighty-yard yeah. touchdown at the end of the game, and he made it into the end zone fine. But you could tell, like once he slowed down, he was like holding uh, back of his leg. But he was up walking around on the sideline after, so I can't imagine um, it's gonna hold him out of the game. Um, next Saturday, I, you know, don't see why he wouldn't be able to, you know, run the ball and play effectively, but we'll see if, um, what they say throughout the week, but I don't, yeah, I don't think it's something that should really impact him. Another thing too, I mean, he's wearing 15, like that's right. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that was very, I didn't know if they'd like retired that number or something. It was just weird to see a, another Gators quarterback wearing 15, like, Obviously, we know Tim Tebow <laughs> before with that number, but but yeah, yeah. so that's that's going to be our college football story of the week, and then let's take a look here at the rankings, talk about the uh, biggest risers and fallers, and um, for the rising, anyways, Oregon moving up eight spots to number four. They are, if this was the college football playoff rankings, they would be in. Um, these AP rankings are really just for show. They, they mean nothing other than um, 
stuff to talk about, I guess, which is what we're doing. But, uh, but I Connor, mean, they, they mean they mean they mean everything until the first CFP rankings. Come yeah, out. yeah. So the CFP are the ones that really matter. But um, moving up eight spots to beat Ohio State, Connor, do you think this is too much of a move? This is this just right in your opinion? Should they've gone up to the top three and past Oklahoma? What do you think about Oregon at number four? I mean, I think it's probably where they should be. I definitely don't think they should be ahead of Oklahoma or Georgia or Alabama, obviously. Because um, I think, you know, they kind of moved up with Iowa a little bit. Like, I think it was good that they moved above Iowa, too. But, you know, Clemson, obviously, they had that pretty ugly loss to Georgia. Ugly in terms of, like, how bad their offense was. Like, their defense was great, but their offense was really bad in that game. So, um, and then obviously Texas A&M almost had a really embarrassing loss to Colorado. You know, Cincinnati's a group of five team. Um, so, and then just some of these other schools on here. So, yeah, I think it was about right. I will say the one thing for Oregon that definitely, you know, just for their future, they definitely have to keep winning because the bad news for Oregon is, yes, you have this really big win over Ohio State, and that's, you know, really good for you. But the problem for them is the rest of their schedule is really bad because the Pac-12 is really not a strong conference. Um you know, they're definitely down there kind of fighting with the ACC for which group power five conference is the worst. Um, so Oregon definitely needs to keep winning. I know they have a lot of very winnable games on their schedule in the future. I know probably their toughest test is going to be on the road on October 23rd. They're going to be playing UCLA. Um, so that'll be another, you know, if UCLA can keep it going, because I know UCLA is in the rankings, then that'll be another quality win. Um, but any sort of loss for Oregon is going to kill them. But I do think this is where they should be ranked. Um, you know, Oklahoma, they've got the Heisman front runner. You know, I know they only played Western Carolina, but they won something like 77 to zero or something. So, I mean, you know, even against an, an FCS school, like that's still pretty impressive. So, um, you know, who knows where they can go from here? Obviously, they just need to fix that defense because. You know, they won the game, but the OSU quarterback threw for over 450 yards. So need to clean up the pass defense a little bit. Yeah. And then Nate, on the flip side of that, we had we see Ohio State dropping six points in the standing. So is that where you would put them? It's interesting that Cincinnati is one spot ahead of them at eight and Ohio State's at nine. Penn State's at 10. You got Florida at 11. Um did the did the voters react too much to that loss that they had to Oregon? Not enough. Ohio State, they haven't they look kind of shaky this year in general. What do you think about them at number nine? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first two weeks rankings to me really are just kind of um, not super accurate any year. I think um, Cincinnati being number eight team, I don't think. You know, they are the eighth best team. Just I watched a little bit of their game and they're not um, dominant, but I understand you have to, you know, keep them there because they were the best group of five team last year and they're probably still um, in the running for that this year. But I don't know, putting Ohio State at nine, um, I don't know, it's, I guess it's fair. Um, I think Clemson, I guess if you want to <laughs> go back to the quality loss argument, which I hate, um, they lost to Georgia, but. Um, and they're number two, obviously. So, yeah, I'm just looking at the rankings, and I don't really have an issue with it. I, um, 
I don't know. It's always hard for me to speak on, I guess, because it's like you can just say, oh, this team's one and one, and they lost to these guys, but it's like this early in the season, it's really hard to say that something is, you know, quote unquote quality loss because Oregon could, you know, lose four games this year and then it looks really bad for Ohio State or, you know. Who knows? Georgia, know. Georgia could fall off that plateau. Yeah. And that right. Really bad like, for Clemson. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I do think. Iowa moving up as much as they did, that one to me is really what's worse because I think beating, just because they beat Iowa State, I mean, they were ranked right next to each other. So it's like, I don't really see that as a justification to move up um, five spots, especially because Iowa State just might not be good this year. I mean, they barely won uh, their first game. So I think that's the biggest overreaction to me. I think I can't really complain about Ohio State too much, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's some good stuff from you, Nate. And then I just want to kind of end this talking about another um, trend here. Notre Dame going down four spots. To me, I don't know if this is enough, honestly. I <laughs> I would have UCLA ahead of them. Their UCLA is one spot below. Um, just what has Notre Dame done this year to make you think that they're going to be good at all? Barely beating Florida State in overtime, who then lost to Jacksonville State, and then what was the team that they were playing this week? That they, like Toledo. That's Toledo. Like they to, yeah, they had to go down to the very end almost to beat them. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, and they're the twelfth ranked team in the country. Like, those are two games that they should have easily won. At least the Florida State one. You know, they should have won by more than in overtime. And then Toledo, that's no excuse at all. And then we saw what Jacksonville State did to Florida State. So that makes it look even worse, kind of like how Nate was talking about the that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure why the they love Notre Dame so much this season. I don't expect them to, to end the season with a good record. This is, I think, unless they have an easier schedule, going forward and they don't play enough quality opponents. Notre Dame has to run the table. Um, they always and, do. <laughs> and I don't, I, I just don't think just don't see that happening this year. Um, they're going to eventually lose to one of these teams. It's just a matter of time. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I would totally agree with you. I, I mean, this is honestly in my mind, I think it's one of the, major problems in my opinion with like the way the rankings are done like even the cfp rankings it's like they kind of feel this stigma that like you know i don't know maybe like what nate said was dropping ohio state or you know moving up iowa or whatever but like they kind of feel this stigma of like oh well until someone loses we can't like you know drop them at all because you know they didn't lose they still won but it's like I feel like they need to be more open and you know open to moving teams around when you look at how they played, not just whether they won or lost. Because I feel like that's what this is. I mean, obviously they dropped them, you know, for reasons like you know because Oregon won and Iowa won, um, so you know they dropped them because of that. Um, but it's like okay, but even though you move those teams ahead of them, like you look at some of these other teams, like you said, UCLA had, you know, two very good wins. Virginia Tech had two very quality mm-hmm. wins, you know, beating North Carolina in the first week and then obviously getting the win this week. I mean, Coastal Carolina, I know obviously they played some, you know, not really good teams, but they had two very dominant wins. Um, you know, Ole Miss took it to Louisville in the first week. It's just like I don't see 
any reason, like you said, why Notre Dame is up at number 12. Like I would honestly be in favor of dropping them like even quite a bit lower, maybe even below Wisconsin. Like, you know, because Wisconsin, you know, they lost a tough game to Penn State, who's ranked number 10 right now. So I'm not really going to knock them for that. But um, and really, I mean, I definitely agree with you that Notre Dame, like looking at their schedule, it does not really get much easier um, coming up here. Like they play Purdue next week, but then they have to go on the road to Wisconsin then they play Cincinnati. Then they go on the road to Virginia Tech. Like, you know, then they're at home against uh, USC, who, like, you know, they were, you know, ranked in the top 20. Yeah, they dropped out. This week. Yeah. But then they have to play North Carolina the week after that. So, like, it's definitely not getting easier for Notre Dame. So I could easily see this team. Like, I don't know if they'll finish with a losing record just because after that it gets a little bit easier. Like, they get to play Navy and Georgia Tech and Stanford. But, like, I definitely could see this Notre Dame team if something even may, more goes wrong, they could honestly miss a bowl game, which is crazy to say, considering that they're the 12th team ranked team right now. But I would not be shocked if by the end of the year, they were out of the bowl picture. I don't know about that. Just because the bowls nowadays are like, I mean, you have to you be know? 500, but still, I mean, just looking at the schedule, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, there's a lot of games on there that, you know, after the way that they've played these first yeah, week, like I could they're, easily they're not see gonna be, They're not going to be getting any prestige bowl. They're going to be well, Birmingham bowl bound. The beefo <laughs> Brady, the beefo Brady's bowl. You know, yeah. 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 The stupid like that. Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Uh, that's going to wrap this episode up. Thanks for listening, watching, tuning in, however you did. Um, yeah, we're going to be back next week to talk. Hopefully, I will be celebrating the Jags finally winning a game against the Denver Broncos. I'll be at that game. I'll try and take a lot of pictures, videos, things, be posting on Twitter at the game so you guys Both can you see what Eric. it looks like. Yeah, Eric will be there too. So Eric and I, two of the Clutch Crew Sports reps, will be at an NFL game. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and I'll be back next week to discuss that. And until then, guys, remember, be clutch. Bye. See ya. And for Eric, peace.